bum bum bottom 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 session with the comic book couples counseling podcast i'm lisa skullickson and i'm brad boogulickson and we are taking a ghoulish walk to our crew very cobwebby very cobwebby a lot of creator corner yeah we're talking to author Bria Grant. She's a multi-hyphenate. She's done many things. We'll get into it. And her book, Mary, The Adventures of Mary Shelley's Great, 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 Great Granddaughter, which is now out in paperback. Yeah, it is. And the artist is Yishan Lee. Did we scare you with our extra special Halloween-y theme music, courtesy of Bernard Herrmann in the movie Psycho? I don't think there is a better theme than Bernard Herrmann's Psycho. It is just the pinnacle of creepy, scary horror movie music. Like, it's not necessarily technically a Halloween movie, but when we get to this time of the year, I want to get into some Hitchcock. I wasn't scared, Brad. Do you know why? Why? Because you added it in <laughs> you love doing the ghost voice. I do. I, I, I mean, I would use it more often. Yeah, do you think uh, Wes Craven's Scream, which we've been watching that entire franchise, do you think it would be scarier if rather than that little like crackly voice he uses, if he did like a traditional like Disney ghost voice? Sydney, I'm going <laughs> to slash you. I, I don't know. I would love to have... A voice changer that makes my voice do that. Yeah, yeah. I love the voice changer in the first couple of movies, but when we get to the third movie and now the voice changer can literally mimic, you know, Cotton Weary's voice or Deputy Dewey's voice, that's that's a bridge too far, Wes Craven. I just can't handle it. Especially in the late 90s and early aughts. Though it can totally be done now and it is creepy AF. I listened to an episode of Radio Lab on it. You know what's awesome about that, though, is uh, I don't answer any phone calls unless I know who's calling me. So. You're going to have to slip into our DMs, psycho killer. Yeah. Oh, don't give any ideas. But I have been really enjoying watching the four Scream films, and we've been sort of interchanging them with Friday the 13th movies, although we just finished Friday the 13th, the final chapter, the fourth one, which is my favorite, and Lisa totally conked out during that one, and now she tells me that she doesn't want to continue watching the rest of the box set, which we just purchased from Shout Factory. It's gorgeous. We gotta watch all of the Friday movies, Lisa. I feel misrepresented because I didn't say <laughs> I didn't want to watch the Friday the 13th movies. I'm just saying that if I'm... <laughs> If we're going to watch a Friday the 13th movie, I want to watch it last because I do want I do want the option of falling asleep during it. You said that you had literally run your course on Friday the 13th because they were all the same. One, two and three and four were all the same, which is categorically not true. Part four has Crispin Glover and Corey Feldman and is way superior to the previous three Friday the 13th. That one should have gotten you jazzed for more Friday the 13th, even though part five. It, it, I mean, it dips. It dips. Like, <laughs> Friday the 13th, 5 is not as good. Well, like, I liked everything in Friday the 13th, part 4, up until when the Jason starts killing people. Because then once Jason starts killing people, it's just, like, murder, murder, murder till the end. And especially with part 4, like, we don't even have the joy of the anticipation of people going, like, oh, my goodness, there's somebody going around murdering people. Because as soon as they're like, ew, what's dripping on me? Oh, it's my boyfriend. They're dead. <laughs> so, uh, to me, 
like the Scream movies better because then at least you have the element of mystery and then everybody is full of dread. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily fair to compare Screams and Friday the 13th. And maybe that was a poor decision on my part to interchange those two franchises. Friday the 13th is not going to come out as strong as Screams. Although... I mean, like Scream, I love the first one. Second one is solid. Third one, not so much. Fourth is a little bit better. But like the Scream sequels never touch the heights of the first film. That's true. But they're always enjoyable. I yeah. always have a good time. Even if I I go like I'm, I'm having a good time watching something not good. And you have the consistency of the characters. So if you fell in love with those folks in the first movie, you've got them all the way through the fourth film. Another thing that I like about the Scream franchise is that they're like a pop culture core sample. Yeah, they're yeah. like, hey, look, it's Sarah Michelle Gellar. It must be 1997. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. I, I mean, yes. I mean, it, that's they're a blast, right? So if you're a fan of horror films, you know, it's like a warm blanket. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the Friday the 13th, that's... That's that's the stuff that is going to contribute to those tropes that scream lampoons. I'll admit that the Friday the 13th franchise does have its charms, particularly in their gore effects. Mm. So many bowels. Yeah. I've never been excited to see, you know, uh, guts and gore. Well, I I, I mean, I agree. Not, but even beyond the gore, especially from four and one with Tom Savini's effects works, but like that era, that 1980, 81, 82, 83. Fashion wise. Fashion, hairstyles, like that's that's the era in which I came into this world. And as such, I'm drawn back into that era. It is my primordial soup. And for me, it's just like, well, that's ancient history because it all <laughs> happened before I was born because I'm so young. <laughs> God damn you, Lisa. God damn you. <laughs> At the very least, though, these episodes have been keeping us in the Halloween spirit because here on the podcast, we haven't really been covering too many spooky comic books. We're currently in the middle of our Usagi Ojimbo series. Which does have Jay. So we have Jay San. So he's like a slasher of that, sorts. That's true. There, I mean, in Usagi Ojimbo, one of the great things about it is there's goblins, there's ghosts, there's demons, there's creatures. So it's kind of Halloween adjacent, but it's not as obviously Halloween-y as what we did last year, which was cover Swamp Thing and Abigail Arcane. Which brings us to our hero of this episode, the subject of our creator corner. We did put Bria in a corner, which <laughs> Patrick Swayze would not appreciate. And sometimes he's a ghost. That's spooky. Um, but she wrote a very Halloweeny YA book. Yes, Mary, The Adventures of Mary Shelley's great, 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 great granddaughter, published by Six Foot Press earlier this month, done in collaboration with artist Yishan Lee. Here's the plot synopsis courtesy of Amazon. Angsty teenager Mary Shelley is not interested in carrying on her family's celebrated legacy of being a great writer, but she soon discovers that she has the not-so-celebrated and super-secret Shelley power to heal monsters, just like her famous ancestor, and those monsters are not going to let her ignore her true calling anytime soon. What I really enjoyed about this book is it's not necessarily another Frankenstein story. Yeah. Like it says, there's other monsters, there's other characters. So it has fun with this entire genre. What spoke to me is, you know, I am an Enneagram 4. Yeah, yeah. So I am always kind of bucking up against what I feel like are other people's expectations of me or my expectations of me. And I always feel like, even though I am not YA, I am a woman of A. I'm a woman of some age. 
Um, I always feel like I'm searching for what is my true calling? Is it this thing that I have talent for? Is it this thing that I'm expected to do because of who I am? Yeah, the comic is incredibly relatable. uh, And we get into it in this conversation. It did not necessarily start off as a YA property. And it eventually molded and morphed over time. What I find interesting is that it started as a television pitch. Uh That uh makes a ton of sense when you read this comic because this I can see this like on the CW yeah. catch with people who are not like super attractive but dreamy adjacent yeah yeah for sure and I hope and again we're going to get into this in the conversation but I would like to see sequels to this uh, in the near future Rhea Grant is not new to comic books she co-authored the comic We Will Bury You with her brother Zane Grant and artist Kyle Strom which was published by IDW in 2014 I believe and she also did the Suicide Girls comic for the website and earlier this year, she wrote the film Lucky, and she actually appeared on our sister podcast, In the Mouth of Dorkness, on their It Mod Chatcast series, talking to Billy Das, the indie dork. She is also in that film. She is actually having an insane year because 12 Hour Shift, which she directed and wrote, that came out this year. The Stylist is also coming out this year. She's an actor on that. And because of a global pandemic, she gets to do all of the promotion from the convenience of her home. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And what I love, though, on the back of this book in her bio, she does remind you, you probably remember her from the television shows Heroes and Dexter. Totally watched both. Classics. She is also a podcaster. She does her podcast, Reading Glasses, with Mallory O'Meara, where they talk about what they're reading, they give Book recommendations. Sometimes books don't have pictures. It seems weird. Mallory Armira has also been on the In the Mouth of Dorkness podcast. We chatted to her about her book, The Lady from the Black Lagoon, which is essential reading this Halloween season. That's right. So I'm just saying, Bria Grant, we have two things in common. We're, oh, three, we're both strong, powerful women. Uh-huh. We're both podcasters, uh-huh. and we've both been on the In the Mouth of Dorcas checkout. <laughs> right. We're practically the same. So without any more blither blather, let's get into this conversation. Had a great time with it. So let's do the mash, the monster mash, into this episode. Ooh, ooh, Halloween. And here we are. We're joined by... Uh, Actor, writer, director, podcaster, podcaster, Bria Grant. Thank you so much for joining us today on Comic Book Couples Counseling. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, you, gosh, it's got to be crazy to be out there promoting a couple movies as well as your graphic novel in 2020. It's got to be very strange and surreal. It's a true nightmare. <laughs> um, <laughs> as much as I want people to watch all my stuff, I feel guilty every time. I asked them to watch or read something that I did because I feel like there are so many more bigger things happening right now. Yeah, yeah. And I imagine that it's got to be a little frustrating that you can't uh, get one-on-one with your fan base to chat with them. Yeah, it's a bummer. I mean, this year I had a lot of travel plans and then hopefully would have been going to some cons and stuff. But um, yeah, all of that got trashed pretty early in the year. So it is. It is unfortunate, but I'm hoping people have more time to stay at home and read, maybe. Mm-hmm. So that maybe that will lead to, to more reading of the book. I mean, is uh, that how you're dealing with it? Is how are, how are you challenging the negativity, the negative thoughts? How are you getting the optimism in your life? It is a challenge, for sure. Um, I am... I, I, I stay on a pretty strict schedule, which I think helps me, and I do that even in times of non-COVID, because I haven't had a 
like a day job, like a job job in, you know, 10 years or so, so which means the majority, no, like 12 or 13 years, which means the majority of my time is is my own to create and make things that hopefully at one point I'll sell or, or you know, I'm on a deadline for. So I, I've kind of kept the same schedule that I do in non-COVID times, which is get up every day, you know, do a workout, write, uh, and then carry on with my day and do all the things that are required of me, you know, eating, bathing, <laughs> laundry, I don't know. Um, so, I mean, stuff like that. And then um, I started taking really long walks, which sounds so basic, but it's it's nice. I listen to audiobooks or like a nice podcast or just a bunch of music and then go on these really long walks through my neighborhood. And that's been nice. That's- we, we have discovered parts of our neighborhood we never knew were there. <laughs> super stoked to uh, be talking about your new book, The Adventures of Mary Shelley's Great, 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 Great Granddaughter. I nailed the number of greats. <laughs> nailed it on the first That's good, I'm not sure I can't, so I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to know why Mary Shelley, with all of the wonderful female authors there are. Why did you pick Mary Shelley? You know, I mean, I didn't have much of a relationship with Mary Shelley or her writing um, until the last couple of years, when I found out more about her uh, her life, like like about her her biography, and and, and um, you know, I, I was aware of Frankenstein because I think we all are when we read it in high school um, or whenever you read it. I guess not grade school, but yeah, high school is. Um, uh, but I hadn't. I, it didn't really strike me as anything that like I was so fascinated by at the time. But then I found out more about her. Um, and got more interested in her as a person because she was writing at a time where obviously there were not a lot of horror, female horror writers. And, and what she wrote was so extreme for that time that it, I mean, the people literally couldn't believe a woman wrote it. It actually didn't have her name on it when it was published. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's the daughter of this, you know, great anarchist thinker and this great feminist author. And so she had a lot to live up to. And she wrote Frankenstein at such a very, very young age. I mean, she was not even 20 when it was published. Or when she wrote it. And so uh, all of that, like, felt to me, like, so much pressure for a person. And um, and that kind of stuck with me once I found out about that. And then I started reading, um, there's a really great biography about her and her mother called Romantic Outlaws. And that got me interested in it as well. Um, because it was about her in general. And just, like, her legacy and um, how much she felt like she had to live up to um, when she was she was young um, and throughout her life and how that might affect uh, people in her life later on. Now she doesn't have any she didn't have any daughters that lived. Um, so this is obviously like a fictional story about her descendants. Mm-hmm. but um, I just kind of wanted to play with that idea of legacy um, down a female uh, line. Well, I'm I'm super into it. Was there something juicy perhaps that you learned about Mary Shelley? that you were not able to work into the book? Oh, I feel like I know what you're talking about. If you're referring to something specific, um, if you're not, there's so many things. But, um, I mean, one thing that I wanted, this is actually, so I wrote this little biography in the, of Mary Shelley in the back of the mm-hmm. book. And yeah. um, I, I included this, and my publisher said, no, 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 you can't, because this is a YA book. But um, the rumor is Mary Shelley lost her virginity on her mother's grave. Right. Um, <laughs> 
she's she's a true goth in all ways, shape, and form, and I really very much appreciate that. <laughs> Talking about a true goth, what made you go sexy Frankenstein versus stitchy Frankenstein? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I feel like I did a lot of um, gross, weird, monstery characters. But when it came to the sexy, you know, uh, a love interest character, um, it was something my publisher and editor and I talked a lot about that it was kind of important since this was a YA book to make sure we had someone who was, you know, kind of cute, maybe a little bit dumb. I don't know, <laughs> like kind of like a model-y version of Frankenstein, who I ended, ended up loving the way he looked. Yeah. Um, I think Sean did an ama- amazing job with that. Could you talk a little bit about that collaborative process with Yushan and and uh, how you guys were able to work together or, or what that process even looked like? Totally, yeah. I mean, we have never met in real life. Hmm. Um, she, uh, I had written the book and my publisher, uh, we worked on it for about a year and then we started looking at um, artists and, um, and I was still kind of in the process of working through it, but I, it was mostly like finalized as far as what it was going to be. Um, and I saw Yushan's work and was like, oh, this is what I was picturing. Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, cool and weird but kind of gothic and has, you know, influences from other, like, I mean, from manga, stuff like that. And um, and I just thought it was so cool and interesting and different and, and a kind of art I would personally be drawn to, particularly when I was younger. Um, and, and so we reached out to her and asked her if she would do it. And then she said yes. So that process was easier than you would think um <laughs> but then the, the process of her drawing it took about another year year and a half or so um and it was it was mostly her coming up with character ideas sending them to me going back and forth on creating them uh, you know shaping them to what we felt like would be good for the final final version and then um going back and forth as, as she drew the chapters i just i mean it's a very long it's a long book so she drew it all at the same time so took a minute for sure and were you two always on the same page as far as what uh how you wanted the the the, the sequential art to flow or even the, what the character designs were you know yes and yeah. that is like it feels like such a dream come true to be able to say that because it could go super wrong you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like i could send an idea and she could draw something completely not what i was expecting but no yeah i i was so happy with almost everything she did and, and you know there would be questions throughout like as simple as like what books are on the bookshelf what are the posters in this room you know things that i didn't describe necessarily in my writing um and uh so we went back and forth a lot about that but those kind of details and and then you know some some things, but not a ton. Like, it, she really captured a lot of what I was looking for with, with the writing. I listened to your interview on Liz Reed's podcast, People I Think Are Cool, and you mentioned when you were pitching this story, it was originally for more of a woman going through a quarter-life crisis with, like, going through a divorce and career dissatisfaction and that kind of thing. And what were some of the uh, considerations you had to make? You've already talked about them a little bit. Um, aging down for YA and do you have a proper adult sexy monster story in your fu- future? As- asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Originally, originally it was gonna. I had written it sort of as a pilot idea, and it was a woman a little bit older. What is quarter life? Is that like twenty five or? I, I keep on the, the older I get, the more I kind of just bump it up. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like, it's 40. No, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. I'm living 120 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so around quarter, like, around, like, yeah, 25 to 35-year-old woman going through a divorce, losing her, like, in college, decided, or grad school, deciding to leave. It was someone a little bit um, older. Um, so, but my publisher was looking specifically for YA, so... Um, like the good writer that I am, I just aged it down in my pitch mm-hmm. and then had to sort of rethink the long-term implications of that because um, in, the, in the older version, she moves back home, which was a big deal, you know, to move back home like when you're 30 or something like that. Um, whereas this one, she's already at home. So that was like a, a, you know, a different thing. And it changed her relationship, obviously, with her family um, to be older and coming to all of this later. I mean, I think what's interesting about getting to write for this age is that um, there are so many changes you're going through when you're, like, 16, 17 years old. You're kind of figuring out, like, what is my life going to look like? In theory, some of us are still figuring out what our lives are going to look like, especially me. Um, (laughs) But I think, you know, for Mary, she's trying to figure out what she's going to do with her future, what is expected of her, and... And, and that was kind of fun to play with, thinking about what I was like at that time. And even kind of how I am now, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like including things where I'm still figuring a lot of stuff out on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was like a big consideration. Um, and then, yeah, less of the sexy stuff. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, tried to, try to keep out some of the sexy stuff. Um, and then what was your other question? Oh, am I going to write an adult thing with a sexy monster? Yeah, yeah. I'm partial to Fishman. I mean, my friend is. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. Um, I'm here for it. I am ready to write it. If anyone wants me to write that, I would I would be totally down. Have you read um the lady from the Black Lagoon, my co host? Yes, Mallory uh, O'Meara. Yeah. Yeah, we had her on yeah, our like, other podcast actually. Yeah, she was on our podcast oh, in the mouth of darkness. Yeah. Oh, love it. Love it. Yeah. She we co host reading glasses together, yeah. obviously. But because she wrote that book about the creature from the Black Lagoon, so many people want to talk to her about they're fish man fantasies. <laughs> very, very funny. <laughs> With uh, Frankenstein's monster and Mary Shelley, I mean, obviously there's a large canvas, a large landscape of um, s- stories and spinoff stories. And like when you're tackling your version um, and delving into this world, like, are you thinking at all about what other creatives, whether it's movies or comics or books, have uh, how they've bent and, and tackled that material? I suppose I should, but I don't, mm-hmm. really. And I think my... I, uh, whether I mean for it to or not, any sort of, like, art that I end up creating, I get I get very insular about it. And as much as I try to, like, oh, I'll read this thing about the same thing that I'm doing, I kind of don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I end up trying to steer clear of it a little, a little bit. Um, I mean, I've read some other sort of have I read some? I, I, I definitely have, like, checked books out from the library that are, like, Mary mm-hmm. Shelley or Frankenstein's Monster related, but I don't I don't actually end up reading them very often. Mm-hmm. And this, I felt like, although it has, like, this Frankenstein element to it, you know, it's so, it's so far from the, from the book of Frankenstein. It's much more of a coming-of-age story that happens to have monsters on board. Yeah, and, like, yeah. you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but, I mean, there are a wide variety of characters mm-hmm. uh, and types of characters in the story that really branch off into a variety of different uh, sub-genres. Yes, yes. And I, I appreciate that was a good lack of 
lack of spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a number, and, like, yeah, we get into things that are not monsters. We get into other sort of, like, magical things happening, for sure. You mentioned, like, that you're still kind of searching and, and, and finding yourself and finding your path, um, but I feel like you're a multi-hyphenate. You're killing it in all kinds of <laughs> venues, and I was wondering, do you have, like, one overarching, like, talent or drive or just curiosity that pushes you to your next project? Hmm. Um, one talent. I think the reason I'm a multi-hyphen is because I'm, like, kind of okay at everything. So I kind <laughs> of, like, I mean, I'm good at Scrabble. Is that, like, a, can I use that one? I, I don't know. Um, that on. <laughs> okay, good. Like, scra- Scrabble champion. Um, yeah, I mean... I'm interested in untold stories. I'm interested in exploring. I mean, there's a couple of different places I'm definitely interested uh, in doing more exploration of as an artist. I like telling female stories, but I'm not entirely, like, married to always telling them. And I like I like telling stories about people who are figuring out who they are. That's, that's a fun story. I feel like I always come back and tell the same story over and over again, which is just the Wizard of Oz. Like, it's like, at the end, it was with you all along. You know, like, that's, I feel like the story that I always end up wanting to tell. And, like, as a creative, I definitely come at it just as, I mean, this is so pretentious, but I come at it as an artist. So Mm -hmm. I think, like, for different projects, I'm helpful in different ways, and my artistic sensibilities lend themselves in different ways. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, on certain things, I'll read a script and be like, I can rewrite this, and or I'll read a script and be like, I can turn this into a comic book, or I can direct this, or I can act in this, you know, like, and I feel like it's very clear to me what my role should be in something um and I think as people get to know me more they kind of realize that as well uh but I think it's really project dependent you know as we wrap up our conversation here we'd like to uh, reserve a couple questions for our patrons and uh, I've got oh. two that I want to ask I want to ask the second one okay well you can, you can ask the first I'll one. ask the first one for them <laughs> uh so the first question is um you know You've written comic books in the past. You're clearly a, a comic book fan. Like, what are your comic book obsessions or or the characters you like or anything like along those lines? <laughs> Evil laughter. <laughs> you thought we were going to let you hear her answers? You're not a Patreon. Don't think of it as we're withholding something from you. We're giving something special to them. Yeah, so if you want to hear these answers, and I'm going to tell you right now, uh, Bria's answer on what comic she is currently obsessed with shocked me, and I find it utterly delightful. She's hella nerdy. You're going to want to know that answer. Jump on over to our Patreon. Link is in the show notes. Cost you $1 to join up. $1. That's like a Taco Bell dollar menu. That's a beef burrito. Or it could be a veggie burrito. Well, I mean, a chili cheese and bean burrito is what that would be, Lisa, for you. But uh, don't feel obligated. We understand it's a tough time. Yeah, it's a tough time. It's a tough time. If you if you got the jingle jangle, you can throw it our way. But it's a great answer. Let's go back to the interview. I love that answer. I want to see that book. Uh, I really, really do. I hope you get to get the sequel. Me too. So, Bria, thank you so much for uh, chatting with us. We've really enjoyed it. We're going to push all our listeners to check out the book, uh, all the links to uh, all the appropriate uh, uh, publishing information and selling information is in the show notes. Please take a look at that. Buy Bria's book. Yes. The people must be entertained. Thank you so much for having me and taking the time. This is really fun. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. 
Wasn't that just the funnest? Bria is so cool. It was an absolute delight to talk to her. Uh, many thanks go out to her for joining us in the Creator Corner. Super appreciated. But Lisa, I need to know. Yes. Uh, sexy or stitchy Frankenstein monster? Uh, your answer, please. Trick question. Trick answer. <laughs> of course. I, I like the hybrid of stitchy and sexy. Mm. And my example of that would be Adam, the Frankenstein monster created by the initiative on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, I'm not familiar with that because I've never gotten beyond the third season. Because you, you, you can't watch Buffy fast enough for me. Like, I have to wait until you're ready to watch Buffy. But guess yeah, that's what? A fact. That's I've got to move on to the next I know, episode. I know. My favorite Frankenstein monster, thank you for not asking, is Tom Noonan from the Monster Squad. Ah. Uh, there, he really captures that uh, sad side of the Frankenstein monster that Boris Karloff also captured quite well. And I just think he takes it to an 80s deliciousness level that I really, really respond well to. My second runner-up would be Frankenberry. Oh, yeah. He's very delicious. Yeah, Frankenberry is delicious. I could cover him in soy milk and eat him all day. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> very glad that we have not purchased any of those cereals this season. We've really been failing Halloween, although we did carve pumpkins this year. That we did. I got political. Yeah, which is absolutely the most scary. I was a little disappointed because oh. I was planning on doing Galactus, yeah. and I had even like printed out a nice stencil that I was <laughs> going to try to use, and then uh, Brad is like, I'm just going to do the word vote. And I'm like, well, we can't have a pumpkin on our front porch that says vote, and then a picture of Galactus. Yeah, you can't vote Galactus. Doing crafts with Brad is not fun because I always set my sights like so high. I'm like, great, this is going to be a nine-hour our project. We're going to be up all night you carving pumpkins. You always want a comic couple cosplay. Like, I, like we can be our own thing, Lisa. I can be Vote and you can be Galactus. It's okay. Instead, I did Spooky Eyes and then the, the uh, pumpkin's teeth said 2020, which, which is pretty scary. Which is definitely scary, which is definitely scary. Uh, we have to say thank you to Liz Reed of the People I Think Are Cool podcast. She's actually appeared on our Creator Corner in the past with her partner, Jimmy Reed. There are two parts of Cuddles and Rage, kicking butt right now over at Spoke Art. She's curating the virtual gallery of Draw Me Like One of Your Final Girls with artist Tracy Ching. Go visit that. I guess we'll put some links in the show notes to that as well. So thank you, Liz. You connected us with Bria. Uh, I would recommend listening to her. People I think are cool interview as well. They talk about different things. It's a lovely chat over there, too. I'll drop that in the show notes as well. How about that, Lisa? I love it. I'm into it. On next week's episode, we get back to our trek down the Wanderer's Road with Miyamoto Usagi and Tomo Ame. Or is it Tomoe Ame? We had a correction. We will follow that correction. That's the proper pronunciation, apparently. Tomoe Ame. I love how we're teasing our corrections. Yes, there yes. are going to be many corrections, many corrections on our next episode. Many corrections. Most corrections ever made by a podcast. But next week, we're reading Usagi Ojimbo, book 21, The Mother of Mountains. This is one of my favorites. Does not get enough respect. More people should read it in the Usagi Ojimbo canon. I love it. I am almost finished with it, and I am enjoying it so much. 
Our love guru is Lori Sugawa Whaley. Let the samurai be your guide. The seven Bushido pathways to personal success. Hey, Brad. Yeah. Where can our listeners send their words <laughs> of affirmation to you? Uh, you can find Boo Gulickson <laughs> at MouthDork on all social medias. If you have words of affirmation for Bria, you can send them to her podcast at Reading G Podcast. If you have words of affirmation for our logo, you can send them to Aaron Prescott at A Cool Hand Fluke. And if you have words of affirmation for our radical band or art, send them over to at Karen underscore X-Men fan. Lisa, where can our listeners send their words of affirmation to you? I, Lisa Scullickson, is always accepting words of affirmation at Sidewalk Siren on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to spend more quality time with us, you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and iTunes. If you'd like to get exclusive, you can join our Patreon, where you'll get more content, including weekly bonus episodes. If you want to reach out and touch us electronically, you can email the podcast, cbccpodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com, or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at cbccpodcast. You can give us the gift of five stars on iTunes, and if you'd like to do an act of service, why not write a review of the show while you're there? We are fluent and receptive in all five love languages. It really warms our hearts and helps the pod. Until next time, guys, keep your love tank full. And your psychic rapport open. You are now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Gullickson. Oh, I was going to be spooky. Yeah, got to be spooky, Lisa. You are now in session with the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. I'm Lisa Scullickson. Was that spooky? That was spooky. That was spooky. Let's start again.